everyone. Welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Uh, ben and Marcel are back for a final edition of the 2020 and 2021 season uh, review. Um, gentlemen, it's been a little while, but thank you and welcome back. Um, I thought we'd kind of done it with the snow until we got our snow flurries yesterday. I thought it was kicking off again already. That was really bad timing, just as I went out for a run. I to get myself caught in a blizzard in April. Uh, it wasn't very nice. Uh, made me do an incredibly short leap and get back home and get the heating on as quick as I could. I'm surprised you got caught up by that because I thought you'd a weatherman. <laughs> He's, the skiing season's over. He's finished with his uh, weather duties. <laughs> now looking at a forecast till October now, myself. <laughs> um, guys, it was a pretty eventful season. Um, but I think the highlight is definitely the Predictions League. We had uh, quickly Jamie Aldridge smashed most weeks uh, and finished nine points in front of Dave Riding, who couldn't bring his uh, World Cup form onto the Podcast Predictions League table and Mark Poole in third. Um, we have to do a little bit better next year. I mean, before we talk about if we can do any better, are we, are we sure it's that way round? Are we sure it's Dave didn't bring his Predictions League form to the World Cup? We're going to call, call it a tie. I mean, I was pretty happy with Dave's season, uh, barring the kind of in injury problems. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, fourth if it was fourth overall in the slalom standings, I reckon he'd take that over the, uh, <laughs> that's yeah, the equivalent right. of the uh, His priorities might be slightly different. I don't think they are. I think like winning a Relations League globe is pretty pretty amazing as well. I mean, you handicap us, unfortunately, so we're never going to win it. No, that's true. Get used to it. You're gonna have to just you're gonna have to accept. No, I'm, that you I'm literally gonna complain every single week to you on messaging and just <laughs> messaging everything week until I get those those rules straight because I hate losing no matter what. Well, you managed to beat all of us anyway, Marcel. Yeah, so, I still I, I want to get my trophy. By the way, uh, the um, the Bailey's podcast prediction, <laughs> <laughs> the Tumblr. Yeah, well, when the pubs open. When the, when the pubs open, we'll, we'll... Well, on the 12th, so in five days. Yeah. We'll do, we'll, okay. we'll do it. We'll do a, pre a presentation. You can have your tuxedo on and we'll uh, get the paparazzi there. Well, maybe you can invite us to like a side gig of yours, some some live <laughs> podcast in a pub. <laughs> I thought this was the side gig. <laughs> oh, this <is> the side... <laughs> um, but thankfully, we all finished in front of Raposo anyway, so... I mean, this wouldn't, this wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't give him a little bit of crap. Yeah, but the thing is, winning against Charlie in the podcast is not very satisfying because I know probably ski racing, I still beat him as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to make like a legends tour for you, Marcel, to uh, put, put it down and see, see who you can see you can beat. I love winding him up about it. Anyone overtaken you in the Austrians all-time GS skiers list yet? Actually, Brandsteiner is very... I think he has overtaken me, to be fair now. I've all, well done to him. He has a really had a good season. Said through gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God no one can see me. <laughs> um, let's, let's have a quick look at the racing, shall we? What do you guys make of the tour? I think Fizz did exceptionally well to get as many races as we did get this season. We were due to have 39 men's races and 35 women's races. And I can only think of three or something that we missed is that including world cup finals yeah i don't think we missed many did we i think we missed one of the vengen races because they there was so much rescheduling going on it was very hard to keep track of which races did and didn't happen but they 
as we said just before we started recording, they did a really good job considering the restrictions to be as flexible as they were with people putting their hand up uh, to host races. Uh, as Marcel said, the Austrian resorts are, are pretty quick on the trigger for that one. As soon as a race gets cancelled, <laughs> we'll do it. Um, arm shoots up. But they, they did really well to get as many races on as they could considering the restrictions. Um, I mean, the tour could have been an absolute mess if they tried to go to China and the States and, and places like that throughout the year. So, yeah, I think just the sheer number of races they managed to get was was really good this year. I mean, I think considering the fact that skiing is an outdoor sport and you don't just have to go to a stadium and play football, you have to like think about the whole logistics of about 10,000 people. Um, it's, it's, I think it's done considerably well, actually. I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I, I think they did an, did an amazing job. Um, we sort of touched on it earlier. I think the main gripes about the calendar is not necessarily to do with how many races that we missed. It's to do with just the, the evenness. We touched on it briefly last time out, so I won't go delving into it in too much detail. But, you know, you've got nine downhills, seven Super Gs planned this season and 10 GSs and 11 slaloms on the men's side. So, you know, I, I'd really like to see them fix that in balance just to try and... Uh, make that a little bit more fair across the board but I think in general it was a pretty impressive um, season a couple of sorry carry on I was just going to take the piss and say so you want less downhills more slaloms it's nine too many you want, you want... there's two five, five of each in downhill super g and then all of the rest Parallels. I tell you what, though, like the downhill races, I don't think were as exciting as the tech races this year. Um, I think they need to fix that start, the start number stuff, because the amount of winners we saw from early on in the downhill races and how over how quickly it was over in terms of like bib numbers and stuff. So I'd quite like to see a bit of a different starting fee, starting order for the speed races just to just to add a bit of spice. I mean, the tech races, we saw winners. I know that was a bit of weather affected races, obviously, with with some of the earlier start numbers in the second runs taking podiums but actually it would be really nice to see you know a race decided from anything outside you know a handful of people there's only a couple of races weren't there where the snow conditions actually got that much faster at the end of the at the end of the race in a speed event there was only there. a couple of them yeah wasn't it when uh shatter won yeah so we don't we don't see enough of that but i think we like said, we did we have discussed it before it's it's so difficult for this because obviously the fastest guys will always lobby to have the best positions because they feel they've earned the right and generally that's how it works out but you know it's always a bit easier in tech events because you have that second run where at least they have to do a run in difficult conditions or harder mm. conditions whereas with speed is it's really hard if you get yourself to the top of the world rankings and they say cool it's starting last you you're like, oh, what's the point? <laughs> so you can you can imagine the likes of uh, Creekmeyer and uh, Meyer and Foyts just shrugging their shoulders if they roll up and they're like, here goes bib fifty. Uh, yeah. I think it would be good to I think it would be good to do like a bib draw, not like a bib choosing thing where the best ones can always pick the ones they want, but just make it a bit more exciting. I mean, just maybe go from one to thirty or something like that and. Full, well. ran, full random draw would be quite fun, wouldn't it? I mean, but then that's quite a lot. That's like an hour's worth of different snow conditions. That could be really tricky. That's quite a big window. Yeah, but like when you when you think about it, in the end, 
like it's always fair because one day you might be lucky one day you might be unlucky and I think it's it's more fair than it would be when you always can pick the best babe because mm. they can literally at the at the team captain's meeting or whatever they say well tomorrow the first 10 minutes or half an hour it's supposed to rain but then it's getting better so I'll pick 15 because that's going to be about 45 minutes in so we'll get the good conditions I don't think that's that's particularly fair um, I think what it'd be interesting actually to see what numbers you know like downhill winner Foyts what number he picked through the downhills we should have probably done that bit of research before we came on but um do you know what I mean like see if you know did he always pick pick like bib five consistently every you know downhill five five I mean five. I I had a look at Lara Good's bibs for the last couple of races and she mainly picked seven it might be just because she is a bit superstitious or whatever but she had a, quite a few races where she picked five or seven throughout the season. Hmm. I mean, it's it's the best, probably the best and smartest thing to do, right? If it, the conditions are not completely different to what you would expect, because you can in watch, a normal day you'd say bib five yeah, or in seven a, in a normal day because you can watch like two, three races, four races even on on the television, and the the course report will be pretty clear to what you have to do. Yeah, that's probably the best starting position. If you go like one, two three even in super g it's tough like we saw that on the world champs there was no way any of those guys would have known what, how to ski the the tricky gates there yeah exactly and that, well that's why they we saw so many so some of the big guns dnfing wasn't it actually it was quite exciting but for the wrong reasons <laughs> for the or for the uh, right ones <laughs> kostelich setting um he would have loved that that would have gone down and that would have been like his you know his highlight uh, an ideal scenario. He probably had a couple of highlights, like some course, the last course setting in the GS was probably something he enjoyed as well. <laughs> He's like watching it throughout the summer, like, yes, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> Just giving him a right good boost into next year. Um, so I actually th- was trying to think about races and stuff that were a big highlight. Um, other than Dave's podium, I was which was Adelboden, January. Um, I think actually, so my favourite races were down to like the over the battle for the overall, as opposed to like necessarily what was happening from turn to turn. It was kind of like the big picture stuff, all that Odomat and Pantero back and forth, last sort of three or four races of the season was pretty epic, as well as the same with like Vlahova taking such a big lead and then Goot coming back at her and then, Flahova eventually taking it again. I think that's actually was probably my highlight was how close the overalls were and how they went down to the absolute wire. Yeah, it was much more of like an arc to the season this year. Um, just when you were saying that, I remember just how... Uh, I don't even know if I got... I probably got angry because I picked her, but I also had like a huge kind of like heart-in-your-mouth moment when Flahova made that huge mistake on the second slalom in where she nearly came out when it was just like oh well, she's got these two slaloms and if she gets a podium in both of those she's going to be out of sight and then she ended up scraping like in a, a tenth or twelfth or whatever it ended up being uh like that kind of drama uh, granted it was self-inflicted but it was it, it just made that last kind of couple of weeks so close and so tense and you got to see it like you said Odomat under pressure for the first time like it, the rest of the, the start of the season when he was getting podiums it was I'm due to this there's no pressure it's great but when he got to the end of the season he saw what 
Pantero has to deal with week in, week out, every yes. year. Um, yeah. And it'll be brilliant to see how he comes back next year, having learned, hopefully, from that. Um, and obviously, it takes a few goes at it before you really feel comfortable with it. But it'll be awesome to see what he looks like next year. What, now he's got that first kind of high-pressure end to the season out the way. But see, I, I think that last year's race, and call me biased, obviously. <laughs> but You're biased. <laughs> I am indeed. Um, you know, there are so many people who say, well, he's, he's really good, like he's very consistent, but he's not very exciting. I'm talking about Pintorotis, but I felt like this race was a race that he showed that he's a proper champion because you couldn't have, you couldn't have any more pressure on that. Like obviously the situation he was in when he went on with Bib 1, not knowing what was actually going to happen because in, in Kranzgogor, it didn't go that well. The race before didn't go that well. Like I thought that was, that was one of the highlights of the season and made another proper champion. Yeah, I think you, he really showed his mettle there, didn't he? You know, real, he, he was the guy under pressure. He was the, he lost the lead at the, the GS uh, and he was under so much pressure. And then to come out fighting like that, like a proper champion, you know, he, that was, he won, he was, he didn't lose, you know, it wasn't the fact that Odomat lost the, the title, it was really that Pantro sort of took it by the scruff of the neck, I feel. Yeah, I mean, he probably, maybe Odermatt would have had a different opinion on that, but that's another story, I guess. What do you mean? In what, the, the well, in, in terms of like, oh, all the cancellations and stuff. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's very true. I guess, you know what, like this season was Pintero's season. There could be another Odomat season, or whoever is going to win next time is probably a well-deserved winner. Last year was Kilda. He won it with a bit of luck as well. It's just it swings each way, you know. Sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. And if you are consistent, you will get it back. The only guy who never needed any luck was Hirscher. Let's be honest. Yeah. Do yeah, you... sorry. I was going to say that'd be interesting to see as well next year is how those kind of speed guys come back because they got a lot of injuries this year. Um, and yeah, I guess it is quite good that Pantro's won this year under those circumstances because realistically he was pretty much the most hard done by last year with those cancellations because there were enough races left that he would rack up points in that you would have expected him to take the globe uh, and Kilda ended up getting it because they ended up spinning off a bunch of races. It was kind of a similar position because he won two races or something in, in uh, Hinterstorder and like one other podium. And then it would have been slalom and GS and then another slalom and GS and super gym downhill. So you would expect to be those for him, right? And then yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's the same this year. So, I mean, it's hard for Automat, obviously, but hey, it, I think it will come back at some stage if he is continuing his progress. Right. Do you guys have, I think, Marcel, we already know what yours is going to be, but do you? Do we have a skier of the season? Ben, who, who do you think your skier of the season is? You have a men's and a women's or just an overall? I mean, you said just the best or just a person that has really kind of impressed I don't know, us. A bit, bit of both. You can, you can give, us, give us either. I think probably from that first race onwards, I'd, I'd probably say uh, Paula Moxham just... You know, we had that early season pod with Warner and he said kind of she's making the, the steps in the right direction, but we'd not really seen much of her. And then across Slalom and GS, she kind of 
competed really well uh, throughout the season. Um, and yeah. obviously in, in that parallel, and I hate parallel, Ed, but in that parallel, she had, she had like, you know, to make that effort and end up, I think it was second she got, wasn't it, Marcel? And yeah. In the parallel was, was yeah. incredible stuff. Um, like, complain about whether it's fair or not fair or anything like that. But I was really impressed with her skiing all year. Obviously, there are some people that have racked up more points, but in terms of just someone who's always there or thereabouts, I really, really enjoyed watching her ski this year. What about I think, you, for me, it's definitely on the woman's side, Leon's Berger, because she was. I mean, if you look at Blahova, she was the best because she won the overall. But in terms of her coming from being good, now being an absolute champion, like that's a big, big way she has gone in one season. And I think that's definitely, for me, she was the best gear this season. Um, well, the best, but the most progressive and I guess actually the best as well. And the most exciting one, if I can just is I think Nino O'Brien. I think she's really good. <laughs> she just needs to get her shit together sometimes. But I think she's really good. I, I was trying to I was trying to pin my sort of um, flag to the mast, as it were. But I couldn't actually, unsurprisingly, commit to one. Of course not. <laughs> so I picked a country. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know. I, I Odomat for me has got to be up there because. I think he 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 did better than expected, and that's I think that was quite a big, you know, quite a lot. You know, we thought he could be there or thereabouts, but I think the fact that he was so close, that's got to be up there. Bassino and GS, that was pretty impressive. Nobody really, I, I, I doubt anybody really thought that she was going to take a globe, um, in, especially in such huge margins. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think I think those guys were pretty pretty on point i was thinking of a country i think you i've got written down here the u.s women that whole little team um i think put maybe about to offend a few of the american listeners but i mean i think schifrin probably had a, a sub optimal season but i think the rest of the american women had a belter of a season you know even the young the younger ladies that just sort of started to establish themselves in the top 30 a few of them got some good results and great second runs, but O'Brien and Maltzan and Johnson, you know, really sort of as a team brought that all together. But also another team that impressed me was the, the Austrian tech team. I, don't think oh, yeah, I, I was just about to say Feller and Feller and um, Brandsteiner are definitely the most improved on the men's side this year. Maybe, well, Odermatt, but let's take him out of the occasion. But I think like, French standard two podiums, fell two wins. I mean, that's pretty coming from nowhere. And it was quite interesting as well that, you know, it was strange that Fella hadn't won before because he'd been around so long and had such exciting performances. Um, but as well, when Schwartz won was his first win as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And that, that really surprised me. And he kind of brought a level of consistency to his racing that we hadn't seen up to this point. So, yeah, they... On the, on the men's side, they were a lot more solid team. Obviously, Slalom is, is a bit better than GS, but you started to see towards the end of the season, like you said, with Brensteiner, they, they did start to deliver in, in GS as well. Um, I'd probably be a bit more worried for Austria on the women's side behind Leensberger because the others, they seem to pick up a lot of kind of fourths and fifths 
without ever really looking that that great. They just into cruise down is definitely the wrong word, but it's the only thing that springs to mind when I watch them ski. Like the level of aggression that Leansberg uses in comparison to probably anyone other than Bruno, but she's injured again uh, on on that entire squad. And considering they generally have like three in the top ten. It's normally yeah. Leansberger on the podium and then five, six, seven or seven, yeah, eight, I mean, nine or something like that. Like Kiara Meyer was she was in there for a bit, wasn't she, in terms of a top seven, but never sort of in the same league, if that's not too disrespectful for of that sort of leading group of slalom skiers, you know, the the Gissin, Vlahova, uh Leansberger, Schifrin, that sort of group was was quite far ahead with though wasn't it really but you're right about the Austrian ladies side of things I mean also I, w- I think we should shout out to the the, the British team because I think Billy Major winning the European Cup Tour even though it's not the World Cup yet but I think that is a really great achievement and I mean the World Champs Taylor Laurie was almost there <laughs> yeah. a couple more gates and I think there's some really positive things also Charlie Guest and Alex Tilly doing having some good results, decent results. I think that's definitely a lot of progression in the in the British team as well. Have you guys seen um, the latest about Livio Magoni and Vlahova parting ways? I mean, we could have done a podcast just on that uh, two week drama that unfolded in the last couple of weeks. Uh, trying to keep up with who said what was pretty difficult work. Uh, Google Translate work in overdrive uh, <laughs> to work out who said what in what interviews and seeing how mad the Slovakian press were and stuff. But yeah, it's a bit it's a bit strange that it's all kind of blown up so quickly after the season. It doesn't mean that there's, you know, it wasn't a very stressful season. And, you know, we joked a little bit about kind of Vlahova's schedule and could you pick better? And uh, I don't know, some of the some of the statements apparently taken out of context or weren't what he meant to say or something. But uh, if he does, has he got a new job yet? They made it sound like he was possibly going to be working with the Italian women with uh, Brunoni, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Livio Magoni is a bit of a, well, a character, I would say. <laughs> so diplomatic of you. <laughs> maybe I call him controversial character. That's probably the better word for it. Okay. But... I mean, he trained Tina Maze when she won by, I don't know, 5,000 points ahead of everyone else. And he made Lahova an overall World Cup champion. I mean, you know what? As a coach, you don't always have to be nice, but he clearly is a really good coach. He gets results, doesn't he? He gets the results. Hey, he probably has some, some strange tactics doing it, but he's definitely a bloody good coach. Yeah, I... I... He's not going to be short of job offers, that is for sure. Oh, they, um, everyone will love him. Yeah, I feel like Brunoni would be... That's the rumour, isn't it, Ben? That's the, the rumour that they're, they're going to start teaming up. But I think a lot you know, there are a lot of them would take... I think Wendy Holdner would probably try and snatch him up so she can break that <laughs> slalom winning duck. I'd be... Well, on, on, Wendy. On, My man is on you. Yeah. But I, I don't know, like... He's he, the comments and stuff that he's been making. Just like I, I kind of put that down to a bit of translation in terms of uh, I think he said some stuff that was basically that she wasn't as good as Tina and all this sort of stuff. But you're right. I, I, I don't think he went about. I think they could have won the overall in a little bit more relaxed fashion if they hadn't just sort of pepper gunned the World Cup in terms of well, we'll just 
chuck everything at the wall and something's going to stick points wise. It's it's interesting to talk about his new job though, or, or how it would work because that level coach, you would think you probably like it's the people he's worked with are, are Blahova and and and, and Marzi, which are kind of solo talents. You, it's a bit strange that it would be Brignoni because so she's very, got that. I just I heard that's speak. that's a bit rough. Solo talents. <laughs> no, solo as in single. Oh, as in individual. As in I they, so they are. Talent they, no, 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 no. Incredible talent. <laughs> I can't believe you thought I meant that. Um, <laughs> well, you better not go to Slovakia for a yeah, while. You're it. That's it. Oh, here we go. Lives in London. Translate. Yeah. Lives in London. <laughs> I've taken out of context. Um, <laughs> no, as in individual team members, whereas Brignoni's. She's a part of that team that has has done really well. Um, so it's a bit strange to then leave that team environment because the Italians look like they've got quite a... a they enjoy each other's company as a squad. I wasn't sure if there would be someone else that would be a individual talent. There you go, said it better this time. Um, that he might want to work with. I also don't know if he, if he is particularly suited for those girls in Italy because they seem to be like very good skiers, like naturally talented. But if you look at Tina, Mave and Lahova, they're like, they're rough. They're really strong athletes. Like they are- Your, t- your turn for being offensive? Not, uh, not rough in a bad way, but, <laughs> but they're not like, they're not like those small, like agile skiers. Like they're really strong skiers. So I, I would assume you can train them a lot different than you would be able to train with um, Brignone and and Bassino and stuff. You know, like you can you can go and ski a lot more with I those mean, with Tina Masi and Vlahova than you could with the Italian girls. That's- yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure about the Magoni to to Italy thing, only because, like you say, Ben, that the Italians had a really good season in general. Um, that they came along together as a group, especially early on. Um, it would only be if. I could only see it as more of a Brunoni thing because she, but then she dominated on that same program a year ago. Yeah. So do you, it's a bit of a risk. I feel like, you know, you put it down to a bit of a blip only she'll know. She'll know whether it's the fact that she didn't execute what she was supposed to execute or whether she did execute what she was supposed to and she wasn't quick enough. So that'll sort of be the question. I mean, my Wendy Holdner comment is probably just a bit of a, it's a bit flippant on a, because in general, I think Gissin doing what she's doing and Wendy Holdner skiing incredibly well at the end of the season and on the speed side, obviously, Goop, Barami and Suta doing mega. So I'm not exactly sure that one would be either, but I kind of see what you're saying about it. sort of almost needs to be a, a solo athlete that's willing to just... I know you know, someone. Dig in. I think he should be uh, Christopherson's coach. Well... He uh, might I, even, I have no idea where you were about to go that. then. <laughs> he might consider it. I don't know. It depends, doesn't it? Because his dad's his coach. It's going to be a very different environment going from your dad being your coach to having Magoni being your coach. That's that's uh, that's night and day, isn't it? That's chalk and cheese. Yeah, but it might be a good input from someone that is not so close to you and just gives you like some home truths, different aspects to stuff. <laughs> Stop moaning about your skis and go yeah. faster. <laughs> well, he will probably make him do that. Yeah, that was. I mean, I did want to get onto Christopher since that's a quite a nice segue. Um, underachievers this season. It, uh, I mean, maybe <laughs> by their standards, not by our yeah, standards. No, no, of course, <laughs> of course. I mean, he he could he's achieved most than better than pretty much the entire 
planet on skis, but he certainly didn't perform as he expected to, or if I, I, I expected of him at the beginning of the season, not that he gives a shit what my expectations are, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of, I feel like he, he's probably a bit disappointed coming off the back of the season. Well, we said last year at the end of the season, again, because of the cancellations, maybe not because of them, but it seemed weird that he didn't particularly have the best of seasons last year and won the slalom at GS Glaze. It was like, wait, what, what happened? How, how on earth has Christofferson won both of those? And then I guess that kind of continued this year, except he just couldn't seem to get going. Like Other people who didn't have as good a season as they would have liked, they hit a little run at some point, even if they didn't start as well as they wanted to. So like, possibly like Wendy was just talking about, towards the end of the season, she looked much more like herself from the last couple of years. But earlier in the year, it looked like she was really struggling. So... I don't know. I don't know if he's, you guys said before, it's a bad idea to think about changing skis and stuff in the uh, kind of about to be Olympic uh, season, but do, do something, do like, do something. And I think the thing that he should do is just keep his mouth shut about his ski equipment and just get on and train and and fix it through training. Don't try and fix it through tinkering with your stuff because he tried that all season long and barring the one that he smashed in, um, was it Chamonix where he absolutely yeah. dominated? I mean, apart from that, which which the sceptical amongst us will say was just the fact that he loves those snow conditions. But I mean, in general, he, he didn't really have it all his own way, did he? Or am I forgetting something? I think he has he has one fundamental pro- fundamental problem, and that's the overall World Cup. Because thinking about the history of him, he was always very good, but always second <laughs> behind um, Hirscher, him and Pintro. And I think once Hirscher finished his career, whatever, he literally thought he's now the big dog in the house. And he was just not expecting to have such tough and rough competition. And I think it's really gone into his head now that other people won it before him twice in a row and someone from Norway as well. So I think this is it's really tough for him mentally. And like, obviously, once this starts, there are some other things coming into play, like skis. You think, oh, it's, I don't have the best skis or I don't have this and that. So I think it's, it's really gone a bit into the wrong direction. So he probably needs to take a step back, have a deep breather and thinks about winning single races, not the overall World Cup, because that's something that comes along by winning single races. And I think that would be a good approach for him. I like it. I think it makes sense because he's, he's he's got to mix it up a little bit. But he's he's got the talent by you know by everybody's knowledge. He's got the ta- he's definitely got the talent to do it. A bit like um, you know, Schifrin, I think had a bit of a rocky season, but she's we're yet to see her best, um, aren't we? Yeah, Schifrin's I'd probably say was more just kind of comeback season easing back in is probably the wrong terminology because you did do quite a lot of races in the end but I think that was such a big hit to her last year that it's just she's just kind of taken her time like everything about her is fairly well calculated uh to do with her skiing career she she could have come back and said I want to win the overall and make a statement but you know, she could have ended up in a similar position to Christofferson of just kind of almost trying too hard, trying too much. She kind of missed out those first couple races and slowly kind of felt her way back in. And there were times where it looked like she was missing a bit of 
maybe punching her turns, a bit of the aggression we're used to seeing. But by the end of the season, you were fairly comfortable to say she was probably going to be on the podium, whatever race it was she was in, whether it was Slalom or GS. So I think finishing the season with that kind of confidence, kind of get ready, uh, Leansberger, Gook Barami and co, you know, Schifrin's coming back next year. Yeah, 100%. Um, the people that won't be coming back next season, got a few big names hung up their boots, certainly going to be missing the likes of Lizaru, Baptiste Grange, Ted Ligeti, Hannes Reichelt, Evemi Brem, a bit, you know, her heyday was a couple of years ago, but, you know, she's going to be missed, along with uh, Bernadette Shield, Irena Cortoni. Now, we've got quite a few people that have decided to hang up the boots one season out from the games. A lot of Austrians on that list, Marcel. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I think the biggest one was probably Hannes Reichelt for me because I was on the same team with him. Like I shared a podium with him, which was, which is really cool, obviously. And he has had such an amazing career and he was always one of those like good guys, like a nice, a genuine nice guy who gave everything, who was a fair sportsman, who had a fair amount of success, but I mean, he's now 40. So he gave it a he last shot and it didn't work out as he wanted to. But still, heads up to him. Um, he is a really good guy, and obviously, same to Grosch and Lizru. Does that mean we're gonna Clara is gonna just love being the oldest guy on tour next year? I mean, he didn't he do an interview recently where he's like, "Well, actually, I'm in my best form now. I mean, I'm 40 years old, loving life." He's skiing. He's skiing pretty mega, though, isn't he? Really. Well, the thing is, like with 40, you don't expect someone to be on the podium constantly, but he has like one or two podiums every bloody season. So why wouldn't he keep on going, right? I mean, as long as he as long as he can do that, get some money out of it, have an enjoyment. I mean, that's he's fair play to him. Yeah, breaking apart by now, but going on his laugh like it's a weird oh. one with the speed guys because obviously their body goes through more in terms of just one crash can end your career completely. Whereas the slalom guys, just the explosivity and the joints are more of a problem and your knees and back and stuff. So you're a bit more concerned that you're not going to be able to uh, kind of be as explosive as you need to. But we've seen a lot from those older guys in, in speed in the last few years, provided they don't have that major either crash or injury. They seem to be able to, keep going that uh, a lot older than the tech guys so yeah be fun to see what you can do next year and you can still go for a comeback me yeah <laughs> I, said, I said if you don't have broken joints uh. <laughs> you're about the same age aren't you as who <laughs> it's clarity I've, I've got he's, he's still got a few years on me but I mean, no, you, you can, you, you you can get, peak it you can peak still can peak <laughs> i'm making a comeback no, you have a couple of years until you reach his his age, and then you can compete against, or then you can compare yourself to him. I just don't know how you do it. I can't even imagine how much my body would hurt now trying to throw myself down a downhill, let alone when I'm forty. Um, but you do you do worry though, don't you? When you see some of the older boys that like, have a bit of an injury, and you're like, "Oh, could this be the last time? Could this be the last time?" Um, which I think we've been thinking about for for. Um, Hannes Reichelt for a, the past like three or four years every time he gets like one his back injury or another knee injury it's just you know is this going to be the last time and unfortunately I guess that that is the last time but yeah this can be quite a cool uh if we can create some old boys tour be quite fun. With, with Bodie Miller telling you, you know what 
how tough it is on the start, right? That's yeah. always something I think about when you talk about ski racing. I just picture it in my head. You and Bodie Miller talking about how tough it is <laughs> while you haven't been racing yet. And I haven't even gone down yet. I mean, yeah. That was insanely hard. Yeah, thank you very much for that confidence. Yeah, I'll, I'll just take my beats off then. Won't even bother. I mean, to be fair, you probably didn't even know that I was racing. So, oh, are you a technician or something? Yeah, tough out there, slip crew, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this slip crew. He's keen, isn't he, in his cat suit and his race boots? <laughs> you need crampons. You don't need race skis. I totally think that was what he think, What he was thinking. <laughs> I could just see it now. Oh, my God, that is too funny. <laughs> um, yeah, cheers for that, Marcel. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> It, it, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, certainly a different tour without those guys this next year. Um, before we start to wrap this up, what would you guys like to see differently next season? If you've got a, a fizz magic wand and you could fix a couple of bits, other than making it perfect weather every single time, Mister Weatherman, what, what would you do? Oh, would you change to make alpine ski racing better? Than this year or just in general? No, in general. Forget I was going to say, yeah, just put some grandstands back up in the finish for starters. Um, that will get that will make the entire thing more of a more of a spectacle. Um, I mean, we yeah, we've talked about it, but make the overall a fair contest um, for whatever disciplines, however they work it out. Find a way to make it more fair. You know, as much as I take the mick out of the speed guys. They have as much right to win the big globe and they shouldn't have to rely on cancellations and bits and pieces to do it. Um, so definitely that. And also just, yeah, let's, there was a bit of questionable course setting this year. Um, let's, let's try and find some Goldilocks zones for that. So not too easy and not too costalich. <laughs> not, too, not too Mickey Mouse. What about you, Marcel? Make me the fifth president. I mean, it's it's open. You just need somebody it's to open. bring it forward. Four people competing for it now. No, but um, yeah, like I'd like to see a bit more of parallel racing where the course setting isn't uneven. <laughs> I bit thought more, that was a joke. <laughs> so you were just saying that to wind it up. A bit more team events, a bit more cancellations <laughs> and everything in reverse. I, I don't want to see any of that. I genuinely don't want to see any of it. Make it make it more fair with the, with the points, that's for sure. Um, look, I know people complain about cancellations and think they're really hardly hardly done by or hard done by or whatever, but it's still an outdoor sport. And if it's weather, it's weather. No one can do anything. And yeah. if you can't replace it because like it's a huge cost to a ski resort to take on a race. It's not that it's cheap. They have to like they have to do basically the whole that the whole ski area will be just a ski race. And if you do that for five days in a downhill, it takes a lot of money away. You have to pay price money, everything. So I think it's really tricky. But obviously what I would love to see is to have uh, maybe a resort or two, three, maybe each nation has one on standby where they say, look, those dates we can put in the calendar and we keep them free. And if something is happen happening, we're going to have it. And if it's not well, we just have our tourist skiing going on. But I think that would be something that could be beneficial for everyone because like, then you have- Well, like a backup, like a backup resort that is far, is far enough away that if it's 
blizzarding or raining or... yeah like if, if you have let's say you have a race in france and you have a an austrian ski resort well they're always on, on standby but <laughs> you have like a french or a, a well there's only garmisch in germany but you know just one or two resorts on standby or america on standby when they have a blizzard in val d'isere going on so they can maybe do two races more in america something like that to have a bit more flexibility. I know it's tough and it's probably not going to happen, but that could be a solution for it. Yeah. I mean, when you said standby resorts, I thought that was what all Austrian resorts did yeah, at every, at every I mean, moment. Doesn't I matter mean, how. The thing is, like, you know what? The Austrians getting something out of it and they always are on standby. Like, Salbach is always on standby. And if they wouldn't have been this year, there wouldn't have been, there would have been like two, two races less. So yeah. I think that's that's good, and not just Austria should have it because it's obviously an advantage for them. But any nation should have like a standby resort at some stage somewhere, not the whole season, but maybe for like two weeks. Just give it two weeks. If something doesn't work out, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that be, that's better than having the running races in the rain. You know, that's better than running something in a in a you know the windiest day or whatever just to just to tick it off the list because we need to get it done. The forecasts are aren't they Ben and Mr. Weatherman that, that, you know, they're quite relatively accurate. I mean, if it says it's going to be 15 degrees and raining, you know, it's not going to be good regardless of if yeah. they get it wrong. It's and like... it's even easier if you have a slalom and a GS resort on standby, because I mean, come on, like you will find one in Europe that doesn't have crappy weather when there is crappy weather in Switzerland or Austria or France. I agree. I like, I like, I like your plans. I don't need to add any, any plans. Apart from I'll, I'll become the president as well, Marcel. You and you and I can run it. I'll just make the rules up as I go. I mean, actually, you can't because there is there is already a a, sweet, uh, a a British candidate, so you can't go for it. But there is no Austrian one yet. Excellent, good news. If, if Peter Schrocksnader listens to it, put me forward. <laughs> Does he need to put you forward, or can you just put yourself forward? No, no. You need no, to no. be nominated. You need to be nominated by a governing body. Well, hey. You know where? Well, he doesn't have my phone number, but I'll send it to him if he needs to. If you need to, <laughs> call me. <laughs> <laughs> can, can can we not get like Luke to be president of the Zimbabwe Ski Federation and, and nominate you? Yes, good idea. But I might I might be tempted to come back out of retirement and ski for Zimbabwe then. Let's 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 have a Zimbabwe ski team. Well, Ben, you're going on a dry slopes for us. Am I? Yeah, yeah. like world champ. Um, before we go, last last question. I'm going to ask you this now, and then I'm going to ask you it before we start the uh, when we do the season preview, which is six months off. But next season, who do you think will win the overall globe for the men's and the women's? Shifrin and Pantro. Say, so can I can I go the same or not? <laughs> Come on, why did you pick those two? This is no, just this no is myself. just a random pick. Yeah, this is no, isn't a, no, this I can go on this one. I can go with the same ones. That's unfair. That's really unfair. <laughs> Got to get in there nice and quick. So is that no. are you going with? Are you going with exactly the same? Yeah, I go with exactly the same. Boring. I'm gonna yeah. go. Who are your incorrect picks then? Well, you know what, you better. We give you time until the season starts to think about it because that's about as much time as you need to come up with two names. <laughs> I'm going to go Odomat and I'm going to say, yeah, I, th- I kind of feel like Schifrin's going to come back. So, that's... 
I'm going to say Schifrin. Boring. <laughs> uh, but I'll go with Vlahova then just to spice it up. Yeah, you know, real left field pick. I go, I with, I go with whoever trains uh, trains with Livio Magoni. That's my tip. Oh, nice. I like it. Um, but yeah, I think the, the men's side is a little bit more open, isn't it? You might see Mayar picking up a few decent yeah. challenges. Kilda coming back. Three disciplines. He could do it. I think Mayard is a hot one for next year because he has improved in every single discipline. And he, if he can get a couple more podiums, because he's always so close to it, he will pick up another full 500 points, getting a couple more podium in. He's right there, right yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Could be good. I'm, I'm not getting too excited. I always get too excited <laughs> with Mayard and then he lets me down. So I'm going to contain yeah, my well, excitement until next season. We'll have a we'll have um, bonus points for the predictions league for a uh, overall an early overall pick. I don't know. I'll make up the points, but yeah, you depend, make up the, depending you make on up if, the rules. Depending on if Marcel and I get it right or if you get it right. Yeah, exactly. You, you make up the rules, Ed. Come on again. <laughs> I'm always making them up, mate. Um, I actually, I can I say one last thing. Go on, talking then. about what I would love to change are the rules for the predictions league. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Your, your points have been noted and denied <laughs> gentlemen until next time bye for now <laughs>